1: Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, And liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. As you know, we've been covering origin stories ever since we started this podcast. It's been my intention to share stories of women and what they've done and how they've done it so that you can be inspired to consider your own possibilities. But here's the deal. That's only half of the story. That's only half of what you need to move the needle in your own life. You need to be equipped with the tools, the resources, the information as to how you can move into your future with intention. And so we've decided it's time to introduce this expert series. And I am thrilled to be bringing to you today, Emma Wittard, who is a coach extraordinaire. I'm excited for you guys to hear from her. Some of you may have even tuned into our Instagram live. You guys are welcome to go back and listen to those. But today you get Emma all to yourselves and I am so excited to have her here. Emma, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Netta, I'm absolutely thrilled
0: to be here.
1: We're excited to have you. And to get all of the kind of insight that you've collected over 20 plus years, Mm. it's all gonna be condensed right here for us. First, I love the background of how does Emma go from the life she was living prior to being a coach to now stepping fully into that world? Give us a little bit of that timeline.
0: Mm, Okay, yes, no problem. Most of my career before I found coaching, I was in the publishing world, actually children's books mainly, and the corporate world. So most of my career, I worked for Disney, Mm -hmm. And uh, I've also worked for DreamWorks and Warner Brothers, but really big corporations with, although highly creative, a corporate feel. So, like most people in that situation, I worked. I worked and worked and worked all the time and really didn't have much time for anything else. Mm -hmm. And I found myself at, I think it was 45, with a three-year-old feeling that I was at DreamWorks at the time. I really wanted to take some time off. She'd started preschool and I thought, I need to spend some time with my child before she starts full-time education. And I had some savings and i thought i i actually think for the first time in my career i can take a bit of a break hmm. so i took a break i took 2 years i set myself up as a consultant at the time i had a an intellectual property development company called the queens english it mm-hmm. was really fun but i hit a dry patch i had about 6 months of no work and i thought i should probably look at something else that consulting
1: was specifically what who were you consulting what was the work that you were doing
0: I was helping companies either market intellectual properties that they had or develop new intellectual properties okay so it was an extension perhaps of the work of that you what had I'd been already doing. been doing okay. exactly what I was known for what I was a subject expert in and I loved it it was fascinating and I thought I think I need to add a string to my bow, and a course, popped up on my phone. Like magic, yeah. it was it was a or or Facebook algorithms or whatever it yeah, is, whatever it was, whatever it is, <laughs> it marketing magic. It was meant to be, yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was a coaching course, and the approach was. Whatever the goal is, you coach the person through their four body systems, mental, emotional, mm. physical, and spiritual. The idea being that everything's connected. So if you're not achieving something that you want to achieve, the reason could be in any or all of those areas. And I just thought that whole idea was fascinating. So I read the course, fell in love with it, At that time, it was the only company certifying in that way. Mm -hmm. Did the course, started coaching, fell in love with coaching, found that I was good at it, and realized that what I had loved about my corporate career was developing people. So there was a thread. You know, what I loved about coaching was seeing people have breakthroughs and Mm -hmm. become more of themselves and be happier and more confident. And it's exactly what I had been doing through my career. I was known for developing people and developing high potential teams, high performing teams.
1: There's something on the homepage of your website that I, I copied here you can live a life of fulfillment and balance by being entirely yourself. Exactly. Was that something that you discovered personally? Absolutely. Or was it something that you could always see in others and you're like, how can I create a process around helping people to get to that point?
0: Yes, both of those things. I have been on a journey the same as everybody else. My first marriage back in England, we split up in 2006 and I remember making a vow to myself that I would never be inauthentic ever again Mm. Um, and so I from that point forward really walked forward in my career and my life being completely myself no matter the consequences and it's it has served me well and what I am and who I am has developed over time, obviously. And that is something that I, I have loved to do for people who have worked for me. I've always asked them when they begin to work for me, what is it that you want? What mm-hmm. do you care about? What do you want to do? And helped them to work towards that. And that's it's what I do with my coaching. So yes, you've hit on the line that really encapsulates who I am, Mm -hmm. and what I do.
1: We're going to unpack that question that you ask people in a bit. As elementary as it seems, it's such a difficult question Mm -hmm. for people to answer. And I think the more mature people, let, let me take the word maturity out, the longer people live the harder that question can be to answer. Mm -hmm. And I remove maturity only to say that as we better understand who we are, that becomes an easier thing to answer. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to, again, unpack that a little bit with you. For our listeners, I have to ask you, what is the difference, you use the word coaching, what's the difference
0: between coach and consultant? Right, fantastic question, thank you. I might even add therapist in there as well. Those three tend to get confused. So a consultant is hopefully a subject expert. Mm -hmm. So imagine I have just been laid off and I would like to start a business. I may decide that I'm missing some skills. Imagine I'm highly creative and I have no financial skills whatsoever. So I may hire a financial consultant to help me with that. In simple terms, a consultant is somebody who knows a subject better than you, who can tell you what to do. So a consultant tells you what to do. Mm -hmm. so again imagine that scenario I've just been laid off and I want to start a business I may decide to hire a coach if you hire a coach like me that coach is not going to tell you what to do because they are not a subject expert and when I'm coaching I assume that you are the subject expert of your life so I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to help you uncover who to be in an aligned way to achieve your goal. We'll use, I think, in the second half of this conversation, an example of how you do that. I often say to my clients, I don't give a damn what you do. What I care about is who you are being. Mm. Because, for example, if you are being an inspirational entrepreneur, then the things that you do will be aligned with that. I love that. And I'm not an expert on your whatever the business is you're going to do. Do people get that? Yeah, they do. I mean, I I need to give examples and things like that. But yes, absolutely. So we'll work on things like identity. Identity. What does a visionary leader, for example, who is a visionary leader? What are the characteristics of a visionary leader versus strategically, what do I need to do to create a vision or, or communicate a vision? We might get into that as well, but sure. if you're not being the thing, you're far less likely to succeed at the thing.
1: And then you said the third thing that people confuse it with is therapist. And I can see based on the coaching definition where that that can be a fine line, but in fact, it's a a big distinction.
0: Absolutely. So again, imagine the scenario, I've been laid off and I want to start a business. If I have some small T trauma around getting laid off, which is Mm -hmm. perfectly reasonable and expected, it's kind of a a grief process, I might hire a therapist to help me process those emotions. We'll also hire a therapist if we need a diagnosis or we feel we need medication. So in my view, a therapist helps you process your emotions. A coach only goes into the past with you if the past is blocking you from achieving the thing that you want to achieve, then we address the past in order to unblock something. That's
1: a great distinction. Thank you for making that. And I assume that there are times that you may even have to say to somebody, this particular thing requires a therapist or this particular thing requires a consultant that you can help them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of my clients are in the entertainment industry or around that area, or they're setting up their own business. So there are certain things that I can consult on if they ask me to. But then I say, do you want me to put my consultant hat on for this? Sure. Because then I'm actually going to suggest what you might want to do, rather than helping you to pull it out of yourself.
1: Okay, that's really helpful. Thank you. And I think having been a consultant before, you know, helping people launch small businesses, that was sort of the thing that I was focused on. I know that those lines were blurred at times mm-hmm. and it, and it was really important to sort of rein people in on what those distinctions are for their sake. Okay, go back to your story for a minute because okay, I think yes. I sold you short. So, you basically started out as a consultant Through the magic of marketing, an idea was popped up in your mind about Mm -hmm. this, this coaching that addresses these four particular sort of pillars or categories. And what does this do for you? How does this trigger Emma into believing that I can do this? I can do this for other people.
0: So I did the training as part of my certification. I had a practicum client. Even in our first session, I just... Was blown away by the power of the process and what it did for the other person. And I just, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with how it made me feel. I felt like Tigger after every session. I was completely energized. So I began coaching as well as consulting. At the time, I had a big mortgage, a child and I couldn't afford to take the leap into full-time coaching. I was offered what would have have been my dream job a few years before that, which was a head of publishing role at Warner Brothers. And I was running out of money, so I took it. Mm -hmm. And it confirmed to me that I didn't want to do that anymore, but it allowed me to Save some money. I did it for a couple Mm -hmm. of years. So I saved money. I hired my own coach and we figured out a path to full-time coaching for me. So in February, 2019, I left Warner Brothers and I began coaching full-time. And I went, as I like to call it, cold turkey. So I decided I was not going to do anything else. I was not going to consult. I was going to purely coach. Financially, that was an impactful decision to make. Sure. But it was what I needed to do in order to embody that new identity of coach. I didn't want to half do it.
1: And as you are coaching people... You understand the importance of that, of being yeah. able to fully show up and fully commit mm-hmm. to this new endeavor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't advise it necessarily mm-hmm. for my clients now. What we tend to do is take a more gentle transitional approach. But for me, for me, this work feels like purpose. It's spiritual as well as mm-hmm. physical.
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: And I just, I had to dedicate myself to it. It was just something I needed to do. And I've been doing it ever since. That was February 2019. I've been a full time coach ever since.
1: And we were actually introduced by somebody who was a client of yours, I believe.
0: He was actually my boss years ago at Disney.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, he went on and on, and he was like, You have to know this person. And I'm so glad that he did. Mm -hmm. You have such a way with people. I I love this idea of that you were Tigger after every conversation because you can feel it. When Mm -hmm. I talk to you, you can feel that you believe that this work is the work you are supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And to be able to walk into every session with a client knowing you are supposed to be offering them this sort of support and help is so empowering. Thank you. Of course. Emma, I have to ask, is there a group of
0: people that you want to impact when you talk about your work as a coach? Yeah, that's a great question. It has sort of evolved organically. I, I do coach quite a few men, but most of my clients are women. And most of them are 40-plus, between 40 and 65. And where the work has gone is into deconditioning, really. Mm -hmm. Most of our blocks seem to come from the messaging that we were given right from childhood, from society, from our very well-meaning mothers Mm -hmm. and grandmothers and great-grandmothers, around what a woman should be. And that messaging is traditionally extremely limiting. So most of my work is, is deconditioning work. I call it Becoming Wild.
1: And you have a program, a Becoming Wild program, which we'll talk mm-hmm. about at the end. I recently heard something on Instagram and it described that men want two different kinds of women in this world. When they're looking for a wife, they want something they can be seen with. Mm -hmm. When they're talking about their daughters, it's an extension of them. Mm -hmm. And so they want somebody that's independent and want somebody that's fierce and want somebody that's going to go out and conquer the world and isn't told what to do. But when they're looking for a wife, they want somebody that sort of represents them, that makes them Mm -hmm. look good and makes them look like it's much more of an achievement. Oh, look at her. She's beautiful. Look at our home. And what a conflict when that young girl who's been empowered in her home to be independent goes out into the world and meets with men. Mm. So it's really interesting to think about all yeah. of the messaging we're getting and the, the conflict of that message. So you've got your hands full, my dear.
0: <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm, an, I'm a great example of exactly that. An empowered daughter who, you know, I'm a handful
1: in the best way.
0: <laughs> so yes, I, I get that. I mean, I think I think in most of the world, women are still second-class citizens, absolutely, and our job is to be subservient. And yeah, that's a problem for me. It it should be. Um, so
1: let's <laughs> let's go ahead and introduce this first part of making the most of your expertise. I wanna describe to you our listener. I think we have several kinds of listeners, but one of them is a woman who perhaps has entered into midlife or is smack in the middle of it and knows that there's more, believes that, believes that there's something next for her, but Mm -hmm. has no idea what that is or how to even begin to access what that could be how do you advise that woman? Where does she begin? What's your sort of strategy to help her distill what some of those things
0: might be? The first thing I say is slow right down. Hmm. Take some time for yourself, time and space to be able to reflect. Because often what we do is we think, oh, I have a certain amount of experience in this area, I just have to keep running over there, And it's not necessarily something that is fulfilling or you want to do, but you think, well, I've been doing it, so I have to keep doing it. So my advice is the more you connect with yourself and perhaps begin to connect with dreams and desires that you may have forgotten about or dismissed in the past the more likely you are to unlock something really amazing a way to do that would be to spend some time journaling so journaling is a really fantastic way to unlock your unconscious mind Mm. free form journaling pen to paper. You could do something like a three-minute sprint if the idea of journaling is intimidating. And you really just let the words come. You choose a prompt, and I'll give a couple of examples in a moment, and then just let the words come and free write. Don't edit it. Don't judge it. If it starts as a grocery list, don't worry about it. Sit there and see what else comes and see if it opens up some ideas and possibilities. So a few prompts, a few examples of things that you might want to write about. First one might be, is there something you wanted to do as a child or a teenager that you gave up on? So thinking about our childhood dreams, I can't tell you how many clients I've had who have come to me and said, oh, I have no idea what I want to do. And I will ask them that question and it will be something like, oh, I always I always loved photography. Mm. Um, or I always thought I was going to be a college professor. And really the idea has been staring them in the face for the years, time. but they've dismissed it for various different practical reasons. So that's one of the areas i would start with and say it's something like a vet an animal vet i wanted to be a vet when i was a kid and you think okay yeah no i can't i can't get the qualifications to do that then sort of pick it apart about a little and go okay what about that job sounded exciting to me is it working with animals is it healing something or somebody is it doing good in the world Is it the community aspect? What is it that is is and was exciting to me? And that might help send you down a path as well. Another question, which I love, is what do you find easy that other people find difficult? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. What do you find easy? What have you always found easy throughout your life that other people find difficult? So an example from my own life of that is I've always found it easy to hold space for other people's emotions. If you want to cry, be angry, I can sit with that. That's okay. And I've always had friends tell me I help them to feel better. All my life, I've helped people to feel better through things that I have said, reframes, often reframes. I'm a natural reframer. So if you come to me and say, oh, all these things have happened to me and I feel terrible about them, I might say, what if they were all supposed to happen and they didn't happen to you, they happened for you? Mm. That would be a reframe that might help you to feel better about the situation. So those are a couple of skills I have had all my life. Not everybody can do that. So is there a clue there as to what I might want to do going forward? That's
1: a great one. I've brought this up on the podcast
0: before, but it's sort of
1: like Maslow's hierarchy. You just keep breaking things down until you get to the essence of something versus Mm. the idea that your example of the vet, maybe it's not going to school and actually working in a clinical setting with animals, but it's something about connecting with animals or mm-hmm. making sure that animals are connecting with other people and you know, mm-hmm. and really getting to the heart of it. Or maybe it's just that you like working in an environment where there aren't other human beings telling mm-hmm. you what to do, really yeah. getting
0: to the essence of something. Absolutely. Yes. I think often we're drawn to something because it's an example of something that we Mm -hmm. want, but we're not sure what part of that example we're actually drawn to. Mm -hmm. So becoming curious about ourselves is a really important part of this process. Become a detective. What do you love? What do you love? You may not have asked yourself what you love ever in your entire life. So it may, may take a little time to allow those answers to come through. This
1: is so subjective, but I just have to ask because I imagine a listener who says, okay, I'm going to do these things that Emma said. And now it's January of 2024 and she hasn't moved off that piece of paper Mm-hmm. She's still there. Is there a timeline? Because that can get very depressing if you feel mm-hmm. like, well, now I have a list of wishes and I, I don't know what to do next. And I know we're gonna get into when that vision is starting to take formation, what do you do? But mm. if it's still just a list of disparate things,
0: any advice? Then I would take it to the next level. So next level for me would be, okay, I've got my desires on a list, of pa- on a paper. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's do three columns. Let's put the desires in a column. Or it could be a board. It could be a vision board, mm-hmm. which can also be helpful if you're more visual. Then next to that, put your skills what do I already have? Okay, so I think I'm interested in healing people in some way and helping people in some way. I like to help to develop people. Okay, next column. What are the skills that I already have? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have business skills. I have leadership skills. I have people management skills. I have financial skills. I have marketing skills skills also include your 10,000 hours life skills. So by that, I mean, what are things that you've been doing, for example, every day for at least five years that could go in that column? It could be cooking, listening, talking, writing, running, things that that you have become an expert in through just living your life. So that's your skills column. The next column is your characteristics column. Who are you? I am warm, approachable, authentic. So when you've got your column, your three columns, Mm -hmm. you can start to look at potential patterns across the columns. So if you know you're interested in healing people... If you know that you're a really good listener and you have business marketing and people management skills, and you're warm and approachable and authentic, you may be able to start to put together the kind of job or work that those areas would work for. Sure. Sounds like a coach. Sounds like a therapist. Yeah. And then move toward that. And mm-hmm. and I also
1: think it's worth saying, and I'd love to hear your two cents on this. If you pursue that thing and you are wrong, it's okay. It ends up being a tool that teaches you mm-hmm. what that next thing could be and how to hone in even further.
0: Yeah. And I wouldn't even say that you're ever wrong. If you've pursued it and you don't get the results that you expect. Mm. Mm. That is feedback. That is feedback that you can then learn from. Was it the wrong thing for you? Not necessarily. Maybe it was the wrong time or maybe it was the wrong approach to the thing or maybe there were elements of the thing that you learned that you loved that you need to lean into more and other elements that you hate and you need to move away from. So I believe that we are the journey. Our life is the journey. Our life is the path. So we are never wrong. We can't ever be wrong because we're doing it.
1: Sure. I love that it's data collection Mm -hmm. so that we can do the next thing, so that we can move forward. I love that sort of mindset. And I think that gives us a lot of freedom. So you were going to introduce, I think, another exercise.
0: Yes, okay. I've got one more prompt for okay. us let's, on the Let's Hear it. <laughs> which is what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail, could not get it wrong? It's
1: imperative that we ask ourselves that question because it opens up so much. And it opens us up to so much, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, we start inviting more and more questions about why, why not
0: that? Hmm. Yeah. It creates possibility. Mm. So if if I said, well, if I could not fail, if I could not get it wrong, you know, it it invites you to dream big. What if I wanted to be the Oprah of transformational coaching for women? Yeah. You know, that's a really, really big dream. Okay, what's stopping me doing that? Yeah, And there may be some really great things stopping me doing that, not wanting to lose my work-life balance, for, yeah. for example. You know, and maybe there's a limiting belief in there that in order to play big, you have to lose your work-life balance. Maybe that's not true, but until you... You've got to put the dream out there. You've got to at least put the dream out there and then you can begin to look at it and go, okay, where do I need to get real here? Yeah. And I think about what you do when you do have the vision, what the next steps are.
1: Yeah, I want to step into that. I want to say one thing about that dream. Sometimes when we say the dream out loud and we hold it up to the light and we examine it, the thing that we were afraid to do which is call the dream the dream because it felt mm-hmm. it felt like it would be too depressing to realize the gap between where we are and where we want to be what i've realized is when we call the dream what it is many times we realize that's not the dream after all mm-hmm. yeah and to your point the more data in the more we can create the thing that we want to create for ourselves and and live that life of fulfillment being who we are as mm. you have called us to with that that statement on your on your website. So, let's kind of transition into because I know that's probably the majority of our listener. She has an idea that she wants to do something. She's mm. probably listening to hear stories of other women and how they've done it. She has an idea. She has an inkling. Maybe she has recalled the things she wanted to do as a child, and she's ready to pursue that. Maybe she's created all of the columns that you, in some form, that you mentioned. It's not quite a salient, crystal clear vision, but it's mm. a, a very good idea of, I think this is how I want to be in the world.
0: Now what? So mm. she comes to okay. you, Emma, and she says, now what? Take us on that. Okay. Okay. So, I came up with an example this morning, which I think we'll use. I was in the shower. All the best thinking for me happens (laughs) in the shower. Um, I thought, okay, what could our example be? So, this woman has decided that she wants to create her own business. She's in a corporate job. She wants to create her own business. And it's a ready made, and somebody can take this idea. If you do, please let me know how it goes. It's a ready-made school kids' lunch business. Mm -hmm. So like we have all the different food delivery services that you can get, this is your kids' lunch is going to be delivered to your front door for the week and it's going to be full of nutritious, wonderful things for your child. This is her vision. Okay. And at the moment, it's just a vision. And her corporate job, let's say she's an accountant in a corporate business. Okay. So the first thing I would do is say, awesome. When would you like to be doing this? Okay. When would you like this business to be thriving? And I would say at least five years, give it at least five years. So five years from now, this business is a thriving business. So I would start by fleshing out the vision as a vision as much as possible to start with. And what I mean by that is don't get bogged down in what you don't know, what might already be on the market. Don't be realistic. Start with a real um, idealistic vision, aspirational and idealistic and get as much of that on paper as possible. I want it to be healthy for kids. I want it to be whole foods, fresh ingredients, things that they're gonna love. Don't worry about how you're gonna deliver it, refrigerate it, that you know nothing about food hygiene or delivery services or marketing. Don't worry about that. Get that vision on paper, because that's your starting point. And why do you want to do it? Mm What's important to you about this? So my, my imaginary budding entrepreneur loves kids, has been into healthy eating for the last 20 years, loves cooking and is a bit of a sort of chef on the side and just is passionate about delivering great food to kids. So that's why she wants to do it. She has her own kids. So flesh out your vision without being realistic. Mm -hmm. Start there. And then we sort of go to the opposite end. We go to, okay, what is realistic? I start with how much does it cost you to live on a month to month basis? Not how much could it cost you if you made a load of changes and saved a load of money. How much does it cost you to live now all in? And how much money do you have saved? Because if you come to me and tell me you want to start a business and you want to start it in a year and it costs you $10,000 a month to live and you only have $30,000 saved, our approach for starting that business will be entirely different than for somebody who has... $2 million in the bank. Sure. We'll still start the business. It will be a different approach. So that's one thing. The next thing is what skills do you have? Think about the skills that would be needed to start that business and to run that business. Which of those skills do you already have? If you don't already have them, can you acquire them? Do you need to do a course in writing recipes or food hygiene or marketing? Or do you need to bring the people on board who have those skills? So, where are the gaps, basically? So, some quite practical stuff. How much does your resources
1: outside of financial resources play into this? So, your relationships with people you know perhaps in your case you had all this corporate experience you could bring those relationships into your consulting business when you first launched before you became a coach Mm. you maybe have for for some odd reason in the scenario you just talked about maybe there's a garden in your backyard and you have access to a lot of this produce that you were doing just for fun and now you're trying to monetize what was a hobby how much of that plays into this or is it too premature i think it
0: it plays a huge part okay. i think i think often what is not said about successful entrepreneurship is that it really helps if you have money and you have connections yeah. and it's better to be realistic about that in my case i have a whole pool of ex-colleagues who earn enough money to be able to afford one-to-one coaching. Sure. I had savings. I have business experience, broad business experience, which includes accounting and marketing, where I had to acquire skills was coaching. So I did two certifications and a load of add-on trainings, and I continue to train. I continue to beef up my coaching skill set. That's where I needed to acquire skills. So yeah, the more you have up front, obviously, the easier it's going to be. But equally important is who you're being. So that's where I go next.
1: How do you unpack who you're being, especially when who you're being in the beginning stages may be in conflict with, maybe not in conflict, but it is not who you want to be, Mm. which you believe that's where you'll find some sort of fulfillment. So there's a Mm -hmm. restlessness in the short term. Mm -hmm. How do you reconcile that being in the present when part of your restlessness is to become the thing you want to become?
0: I hope Mm. that makes sense it makes perfect sense i say become the thing you want to become now so with my clients we would do an identity shift so if you tell me you want to be a visionary entrepreneur delivering healthy food to kids we would characterize that identity i am a visionary visionary leader empowering parents and kids to live healthy lives say that's the new identity yeah we would then break down okay can you think of anybody who inspires you and you respect who has a similar identity what are their characteristics what do they do and who are they they have a healthy lifestyle, a demonstrably healthy lifestyle. They are confident. They are inspiring. Maybe we take those three things and we'll break down what the person needs to do in order to be those three things. You know, a healthy lifestyle demonstrator, confident and inspiring. And it comes down to the four things that you can control. What are you believing? What are you feeling? What are you thinking? And what are you doing? If you are demonstrating healthy living, what do you need to believe in order to demonstrate that? How do you need to feel? What thoughts are running through your head? And what you will you be doing? And we'll go through this exercise to help you step into the role of visionary, inspirational, entrepreneurial leader.
1: As you're describing it, that process, and even when you talked about, you know, the person who wants to be this visionary leader with respect to the the children's lunch program, you said something when you sort of distilled it um, to its most... Sort of core or base idea, which is this person is a visionary leader who is helping parents to, you know, give their kids healthy lunches. When you say it that way, all of a sudden, the only path, the only vehicle to achieving that is not delivering those actual lunches to their doorstep. All of a sudden, it's They can write a cookbook. They can start a blog. They can become a speaker. Like even just that distillment, is that a word? Distillment of of that vision, of that dream. Actually, instead of tying them down to it, you gave us a lot of freedom in that. Yeah. I see the value of that exercise. That was amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it frees you up to deliver what you what you want to deliver in many different ways and the vehicle for delivering it is you it's who you are being okay i'm going to start being this person now and then i just need reality to catch up i need you know tangible stuff to catch up and and so long as i continue to be this thing mm-hmm. Everything will catch up. Yeah. The blanks will be filled in because I will know what the next right step is. I did this for coaching. You know, I was trying to be a coach. I left the corporate world. There's some stigma around the word life coach. I was like, sure. mm. yeah. You know, but as soon as I stepped into, oh no, my persona I chose was thriving coach. I'm a thriving coach. Okay what are the characteristics of a thriving coach they coach they coach people you know back to confidence inspiring etc i started being those things mm. and and doing those things it's it's the difference between trying to do something and embodying something i'm very into the word embodiment nowadays when you believe something so entirely that you embody it. It's just become part of your ecosystem. Yeah. Yoda says something like, "There, there is no try, only do or yeah. do not. Yeah. So if somebody says, I'm trying to be a photographer or whatever it is, I'll say, okay, let's stop trying. Because if you're trying, you're not doing it. Yeah. Let's be a photographer. So what does a photographer do? Yeah. What does a photographer believe? How do it's they feel? It's a much
1: more um, holistic way of approaching this idea of fake it till you make it. I think that, mm-hmm. was, that was a, a, a bit one dimensional and shallow and you've mm. created more dimension and meaning to why that is a value. So mm. I, think that's, I yeah. think that's good
0: for us to, to hear. It's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Be it authentically and then the making will catch up. Yeah, It'll just happen. It's
1: inevitable. Yeah, no, I I believe that to be true. And I've seen that in other people that they have just taken that on and all of a sudden this becomes the role that they feel suited for. Do you have a last exercise that you can share with us before I ask you our our final question? Because we've already been talking 50 minutes. How is that possible? I don't know. I
0: know, that's amazing. Yes, I would say... Examining your beliefs is really important. When you're, when you're doing something like this, when you're moving into a completely new endeavor, our beliefs are our operating system. Mm. So we, we behave according to our beliefs. So really important ones to look at would be your beliefs around money, time, success, and what you yourself are capable of, your kind of upper limit beliefs. And the way to do this is to take the area of life, say it's success, and write down your top three beliefs around success. Success is really hard work. Success is only for certain types of people. Success Will alienate me from my friends and family, for example, and then say, okay, for each belief, who gave you that belief? Why did you choose to attach to it? And is this belief serving you for this thing that you want to do? If it is not serving you, what is the new belief you need to adopt that will serve you? And that's another journaling exercise. So if the belief was successful, alienate me from my friends and family, you're not going to succeed because you, you don't want to be alienated from your friends and family. So you'll make sure it doesn't succeed. It's kind of an upper limit. Yeah. What do you need to change that belief to? It could be something like, if I succeed in a way that is authentic to me, my friends and family will embrace what I'm doing. For example, that was just a quick off the top of my head. And when you have the new belief, start to do things to operate from that belief. This is all, this is a whole session in itself, how to change a belief, but at least identifying it and then identifying the new belief, if it's not serving you, is the beginning of that process.
1: That's wonderful. I, I look forward to going through that when I listen back to this podcast, because I think as you were describing those, I thought, man, some of my beliefs about those particular things are in conflict with one another. Mm. What I believe about money is probably around scarcity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I believe about time is I have lots of it and I'm willing to give it away. Those are inconsistent mm-hmm. and a business can be problematic. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're saying is shedding some light on those things. And I'm looking forward, as are our listeners, I'm sure, to doing those exercises. So Emma, you have gone through your own process of embodying who you want to be and how you want to serve this world. You've become that very thing. You've become a coach who has served other people and held space for other people, the thing that you sort of naturally were doing your whole life. Mm -hmm. And now you're 100% fully a coach who is living as a coach and supporting herself as a coach. What has
0: it done to liberate you? the process and the results of the process have been entirely liberating. You know, one of my top values is freedom. And for me, freedom is about being free to be entirely yourself. Mm. And what I have learned is the more ourselves we are in a loving way, taking off all of those, those conditioned thoughts, I just feel that the universe wants to support you in that, so it has been incredibly freeing. Doing what I believe is the right thing to do, being authentic, living authentically, helping other people to live authentically, it's not what the system tells us we should be doing. and. It has been incredibly freeing. It's not easy because the system doesn't want us to behave like this. Sure. It wants us to get a mortgage and get married and have a nine-to-five job. And that's what we're rewarded for, really. So liberty liberty is wild. Yeah. And I think you have to be wild in order to really go fully on that journey. yeah but it's worth it.
1: It is absolutely worth it. And I would say the system that you speak of as it relates to midlife, not just our, our role as women, but it has been asking us to slow down, to mm-hmm. wind down and to quietly go away. And yes. I think... That's another thing we need to challenge ourselves with mm-hmm. and to own our role in changing that narrative, to not wait for other people to change it for us. 100%. And I'm so grateful that your work and you exist and that you are helping women in that 40 to 65 age group to live that fulfilled um, and wild life that you're calling us into. Thank you for that. Now, thank you. We have so many listeners who are going to be curious about how to stay connected to you and we will have your URL in the show notes. But I also know that you have a few different things that I'd like for you to just break down.
0: Yeah. And the best way to find me and get information about these things is my website. So emmawittard.com. The subject that we've talked about today, I have a 10 month one-to-one coaching program called the Artemis Project. So that's 10 months to purpose, fulfillment and autonomy through work while still paying the bills. I also have a community called Wild Woman. Of course you do. (laughs) An online community. and, And our job is really to support each other while doing the work of deconditioning. So those are the two things I'm most excited about right now. Awesome. Thank you. And Liberty listeners,
1: I know that you're going to listen to this one over and over. And I encourage you to walk through this process that Emma has shared with us. I think that we will all collectively be better for it and individually be moving the needle in our own lives. Thank you, Emma. And thank you listeners for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.